Have you felt stress in the last day, the last week, or maybe even in the last hour? In today's episode, we will discuss ways to prevent, eliminate, and recover from stress. You are not going to want to miss this one. Hey, teachers, have you struggled to balance your work life and your home life? Do you want to make a difference and still feel like you can be present and purposeful in your life outside of school? Welcome to the Inspired Together Teachers podcast. This is not your typical professional development. We focus on you, not strategies to teach content. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators with the passion, knowledge, and experience to support you as you navigate the challenges of our profession. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, let's set the stage about stress. We all have stress. That's a given. But did you know that you have more control over stress than you think? There are actually ways to prevent stress, to eliminate stress once it's already started, and there are even ways to recover from stress. There's research to back all this up. However, you might just be too stressed to even read all that research. Well, have no fears, because we love reading about this, and we're glad to share some of our favorite and most useful findings about preventing, eliminating, and recovering from stress. I'll start with some ways to prevent stress. And it's interesting because the attention is usually not on preventing stress. It's what to do about stress after we're already feeling it. So it made sense to us to talk about what can we do to prevent stress before we even get it. And the first thing on our list is to reduce the number of decisions you need to make each day. Set up systems and routines. You probably know about some of the famous people that wear the same thing every day. Day. Steve Jobs always wore the same black turtleneck every day. You've heard of people who have really rock solid systems and routines set up in their lives. They're helpful because they eliminate some of the many decisions that you make. Teachers make hundreds, thousands even of decisions every day. If you eliminate some of those decisions, then you can reduce and prevent that stress from even starting. Another way to prevent stress from starting is to become a master planner. It means to be over-prepared, to be over-planned. You might have your mom bag and your teacher bag and your gym bag, and you pack those all up the night before and you put them in the car so you're not worried about it later. Then you're not stressing in the morning when you're running around trying to get everyone into the van, being over-planned in your personal and professional life so you don't have that stress in the moment because you put the time in ahead of time. There's something known as the five P's, which stands for proper planning prevents poor performance. And I always think of that when it comes to lesson planning, because when your lessons are well-planned, they're well-organized, you have all the materials. It's not necessarily a fail-safe system that every lesson is going to run perfectly. But I also know from my own personal experience, when I am planned and prepared, it is much more likely that the lessons will go smoothly. Proper planning has really helped me in my delivery of lessons. Another way that you can prevent stress from happening is to get clarity and prioritize what's happening in your day. So we talked about this in episode six about taking back your life through prioritizing and really looking at your days and saying, am I stressed because the things I need to do are not aligning with my values and my purpose? Is this really what's best for me? Am I trying to do too much or am I sticking to what's essential? Refer back to episode six if you'd like more on this. The idea is that over 
overwhelm is often a problem with clarity. So if you can get clarity on which things are most important and which ones need to be done right now, then that gets that overwhelm problem under control. And when overwhelm gets under control, you'll have less stress. The research tells us that when people feel overwhelmed, it typically falls under one of four responses. And some of them we're very familiar with, like fight or flight. But added to that list has been freeze, that you just freeze. You can't make a decision because there's just so many decisions to make. It's that decision fatigue and you're frozen. Also added to fight, flight, freeze is now fawn. But that's going, you're right. Yeah, you're right. My fault, my mistake, where people start fawning and we just do that because sometimes that's our natural reaction. But if we can prevent that ahead of time by deciding what we're going to prioritize and get those things done first, we don't have to go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode. We can just do the things that need to be done. And for some of us, that might mean making a physical list and listing the very most important things first so you have a clear place to start when you're ready to start the work. We all have a to-do list that is longer than what we can get accomplished in a day. That causes a lot of stress for a lot of us. In many cases, it's impossible. I am a master to-do list maker. I have a list in my planner every single day. But what I have learned to do is circle with a red or pink, whatever bright color I'm in the two in the day. I circle the top priorities, the things I really, really have to get done. And my attitude is those are the things I have to do. If I can do some of the rest, great. If not, then that'll have to wait till the next day. Knowing that I get those two or three things done that were circled in my red pen, I feel a lot better and I stress much less about it. What I do to eliminate some stress with my to-do list is I like to time block. Some people time block in different ways than I time block, but how I time block is I will sometimes break an hour into 20 minutes of laundry. Then I'm going to do 20 minutes of work and then I get 20 minutes just to do whatever I want. I love to break up the hour like that. I fold my laundry a whole lot faster when I know those 20 minutes are rolling to an end. Those 20, 20, 20 minutes works amazing for me. I am so much more productive and it takes away the stress. Michelle, I think you time block a little bit differently. I actually take tasks that I have and then I put like things together. And sometimes I'll jot down this task takes five minutes, this task will take 10 minutes. And then I will say, all right, I have 30 minutes and I'm going to find all the things that go together that I can get done in that 30 minutes. And then again, I'll use my colored pens and I'll make those bright green. And so I'll say this 30 minutes, I'm going to do these things. And then I look for times too, when I can plan big projects, because I like to plan big projects in big chunks of time. The other thing that I will mention that I do in my time blocks, I put in time for people, people blocks, because if I don't, I'll just work myself to death quite happily and just spend all my day doing the task. And I have to remind myself, hey, I'm going to call one of my daughters and we're just going to chit chat or put time for people who are important. And I hate to say it, but sometimes I have to schedule that into my calendar so that I know I don't leave it off. Back to that values and priorities that we talked about. Time blocking looks different for everyone. We challenge you to think about what time blocking would look like for you if you were to use time blocking as a way to prevent stress. There are some things that we can prevent and that's good. But sometimes there are going to be things that'll sneak in and then you have to think about how can I eliminate the stress that's already there? So we have some ideas for that. How do we eliminate some of the stressful feelings as we're experiencing them? The first thing that I would suggest is looking for the negativity bias. We get what we're looking for. We see what we're looking for. This one comes into play perhaps like if you're training your brain to see all the negative things. 
things. And when you see all those negative things, it starts to create stress in you. Negativity bias is something to look out for. And for some of us, when we feel that stress creeping in, we like to take moments of calm, mindfulness activities and breathing. There's a lot of research about how that really can affect your body, can affect your brain. So whatever it is that you do to create that moment of calm, whether it's a meditation app or maybe you just sit and do some breathing, try and incorporate that if you're feeling really stressed. It's amazing what one minute of deep breathing can do to calm you down when you're feeling stressed and to give you clarity moving forward so the stress is not clouding your vision. Another thing you can do to eliminate some stress is understand when you start getting yourself involved in something that is not yours to deal with. When you start jumping in and doing things and then you realize this isn't even my show. Why am I involved in this? Think about whose stress are you taking on? Is this your stress? If not, be willing to let it go. You can eliminate stress by not replaying or pre-playing a stressful event. We all can fall prey to this. That perceived upcoming stressful event plays through our mind and we have added so much stress to our life about things that haven't even happened. Or on the flip side, we might keep replaying some stressful event that happened in our life and we just keep taking all of that time to be in that cycle of stress about something that may may not even happen or may have happened and might not even be as big of a deal to other people as it is to us. Worry is often not a productive way to deal with stress. A worry causes stress. So when you're reliving things over and over again, whether or not they've happened, it's a stress maker. You can also try and compartmentalize your stress. Do you let your stress bleed from one area of your life into another? And if it's happening a lot, is there a way that you can compartmentalize that stress? One of my work friends told me one time of a strategy that they used that was absolutely amazing. They said, I don't want to take my work stress into my home. My home life is my home life. My work stress is my work stress. Every day when I walk out the door of work, there is a dumpster behind the building. I imagine that I put all of my stresses from the day in a box and I set the box by the dumpster. And as I walk to my car, I remember that all of that stress is there. I can pick it up tomorrow on my way back into work. It will still be there sitting by the dumpster ready for me to pick up and take it back into work with me, but I'm not going to take it home with me. That's a brilliant idea. If you can make that work for you, compartmentalizing and saying, this stress does not come home with me. Whether it's you're stressed at work and you decide in that 15 to 20 minute drive home that you're going to listen to our podcast or some other podcast to inspire you to leave that stress at work, feel free to use us that way. We would love to be your inspiration. Such a great idea and a great suggestion. And I love the visual of putting that box of stress aside and leaving it there. Another idea is to remember the good stuff, to celebrate the good moments and remind yourself of all the things that you've done that you can be proud of. We are so good at beating ourselves up and we are so much less good at recognizing all the wonderful things that we're doing. In episode number three about happiness, we talked about the long-term study of nuns who kept journals. Those journals, for some of them, were a way to record all of the good things that were happening. Those particular nuns who were really focused on the positive in their lives lived 
lived much longer than the nuns who wrote about all the negative things that were going on in their lives. That's a great idea to think about. Remembering the good stuff. The idea of journaling to find happiness really inspired us. So we wrote a journal, a guided journal during the pandemic. It's called the Inspired Teacher's Journal, a weekly guide to becoming your best self. We'll put a link to it in the show notes if you're interested. What we did to put together this journal is we reached out to our community of teachers and said, give us inspirational quotes. What what do teachers really need to hear? And we collected all of these amazing inspirational quotes and put them alongside the journal prompts so people had things to celebrate. It's really important that you write down the things worth celebrating, those moments, the good stuff. If you haven't started journaling, journaling is a great way to put together all of those moments you don't want to forget that bring you joy. And just that alone probably will elevate your life and help you to stay inspired. Lastly, today we are going to talk about ways to recover from stress. It's already there. It's already happened. And in this section, we're referring to a book that we both read multiple times and listened to. I think we both listened to the audio as well. The book is Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. This is a fantastic book to help you understand what stress really is. This book takes a good look at how you can complete the stress cycle. And let me back up and talk about that a little bit. What happens in stress? Something happens to you and you start to feel stressed. Your entire body and mind change in response to a perceived threat. And stressors activate stress in the bodies. And that can be anything that stresses you out. It could be sights, sounds, smells, people, anything that could cause you harm. And it might be different from something that stresses out someone else. Stress is the neurological and physiological shift that happens in your body when you come across something that is a stressor for you. It's actually an evolutionary adaptive response. It's designed to help us cope and it's designed to help us survive. So if you can think back to early personhood and a saber-toothed tiger or a lion is chasing you and you are running wildly to flee so that you don't get eaten by this predator, that is something that is a stressor. What happens then is a flood of hormones come rushing into your body, adrenaline, cortisol, glycogen, epinephrine, which pushes blood into your muscles, endorphins that help you focus on the danger but not feel the uncomfortableness. Your heart starts to beat faster. The blood starts to pump harder. You increase your rate of breathing. Your attention goes on high alert and your other organs and systems slow down. You stop digesting food, for example. Your immune system will shut down or slow down during this stressful event. That's what's happening in your body. But then your body will recover from that stress. But you have to do something to tell your body that it is now safe. You have to stop that rush of all of those hormones that are flooding your body. You have to do something to signal to your body that it's over. And they use the example in the book that at the end of the day, early people, the lion is slaughtered and you're now safe. The lion's not going to catch you. And then the people cook the lion and they celebrate in a big meal and they gather and they sing and the body says, it's okay. I am now safe. I feel safe. And that's what we need to do because sometimes we aren't telling our body that we are no longer in that stressful situation because we are so used to being in it all the time. So they list a number of the things that you can do to help your body to recover from the stress. 
And their suggestions are really interesting because when you talk about that example with the lion, so much of that is physical. You're running from the lion. You're jumping up and down and celebrating that the lion didn't eat you, right? You're recovering from stress in all of those ways that are physical. We have stress after stress after stress, and we don't close out that cycle by doing something and telling our body that it's safe. If we exercise, it says to our body, yes, it's okay to go back to our normal body systems. The stress is over. We have worked it out of our system. How can you incorporate exercise into your day so your body can complete that stress cycle? They acknowledge in the book that not everyone likes to exercise. So if you don't like to exercise and you can't physically show your body in that way that the stress cycle can be completed, there's other things that you can do, like laughter. Laughter is a great way to signal to your body, yes, the stressors are over. I don't need to carry this stress with me anymore. I've completed that stress cycle. Another way that we complete the stress cycle sometimes, and sometimes this is involuntary and it just happens, you just cry. You just let it out. And I am willing to bet that almost all of us have felt that emotion of just sobbing uncontrollably. But when you are done, it feels better. You feel better. And why does that happen? Because crying is that signal to your body that the stress is over. It's relief. It's going to be okay. You're getting it out of your system and that your system can get back to where it was before. Sometimes a good cry is in order. Yes. And sometimes our body will react by just shaking or shuddering or sobbing that's uncontrollable, like you said. And that's things that we can't control. One thing we can control in our body reaction is deep breathing. I'd mentioned this earlier about calming mindfulness, and maybe it's yoga, maybe it's meditation, but that deep breathing to calm your body systems is not just a thing we do to make ourselves feel better. Our body actually needs that signaling to your body. Okay. Stress cycle complete. Another thing that works is to show affection. I love it in the book because they say, well, a good hug is one way to do that. But research actually says that a 20 second hug is a good way to signal to your body that the stress is over. It also works with like a long kiss with someone that you love and who makes you feel safe. And that feeling of being in someone's arms where you feel safe signals to your body. It's okay. Let go. You can let go of the stress now. And that might be with your pets that snuggling. You may be snuggling with your furry friend that actually reduces your blood pressure and helps signal to your body that the stress cycle is over. And maybe you're just painting a picture of that pet or painting a picture with the pet on your lap. Creative expression like art or music or anything that shows your creativity or allows you to creatively express yourself helps you work through your feelings and complete that stress cycle. We end with this quote, emotions are tunnels. If you go all the way through them, you get to the light at the end. Or we would add that if you don't get through to the light at the end of the tunnel, then you stay in chronic stress and you don't want to be in chronic stress. We don't tell our bodies that the stress is over and indeed it might not be over. That is chronic stress and it can literally kill you. There's high blood pressure, increased risk for heart disease, messed up immune immune function. And it's something that you really want to try to avoid. So if you can think of in terms of how can we reduce the stress and then how can we recover from it when we do have the stress, it's a really helpful idea. So to recap for today, stress is probably inevitable. 
However, there are practical steps that we can take to prevent stress from happening, strategies we can use to eliminate some of the stress that's already existing, and we can be mindful and physically recover after we have encountered stress. Stress does not have to rule our lives. In true teacher fashion, we end our podcast with homework. Our homework for you today is to pick one way that you will either prevent, eliminate, or recover from stress this week. We won't be grading your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. You can send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook or drop us an email and tell us how did it work. And if you are often feeling overwhelmed, you are in need of our guide, the Inspired Teacher's Guide to Taking Back Your Life. We will link to that in the show notes and you can find it at inspiredtogetherteachers.com. That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers. Or head to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.